The Hall of Fame, more like the Hall of Shame. The Cincinnati Reds feel the pain of a lockout more than most of the other teams. And let's look back fondly on 2021. We've got all those topics and more coming up on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Jeff Carr, alongside co-host Stephen Offenbaker, and we are the Reds addicts who have turned our addiction into information. For you on today's podcast, we were going to talk about why the Hall of Fame voters just continue to get things wrong, why Cincinnati is uniquely vulnerable in this lockout, and a couple of favorite moments from the 2021 season. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds podcast. Make sure that you are following the podcast on your favorite app and subscribe to us on YouTube. There's a lot of great content that's going to be coming up as we get closer and closer to the season that you will not see on your favorite podcasting app. It's going to be YouTube only, and you're not going to want to miss it. And Steve, we are looking at something here that I think... uh, Lots of people kind of have strong feelings about. We're talking about the Hall of Fame. We're talking about a voting process that did yield a Hall of Famer, unlike last year. But it was a Hall of Famer that some people were like, well, if you voted for him, how did you not vote for him? I I think that once again, we are seeing a situation where the voters of the Hall of Fame have just absolutely stuck both feet in their mouth. It's very clear emerging from this process that the 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 one thing that has become a hundred percent in this whole thing is that the process has to change and the the selection of hall of famers needs to be taken away from the writers Uh, every single season uh the baseball writers of america come out and do things that just scream take this away from us they submit blank ballots they submit ballots with only one guy checked they they put it out there to draw attention to themselves. Listen, listen, you hack in Podunk, Ohio. Nobody cares about you. You didn't play the game. You didn't hit the ball. You didn't strike anybody out. And this is not about you. But they take this opportunity to make it about themselves. And it, it detracts from the game. Now, don't get me wrong. Not everybody does that. I think there's some great voters out there that take it very seriously. Uh, Cincinnati's own C. Trent Rosecrans is one of them. You know, he puts a lot of, of time and effort into uh, doing his ballot and then explaining why he picked who he picked. But they're not all that way. They've got to go. We've, we've ended up in a place where we have a, a, a Hall of Fame now that doesn't have its all-time hit leader. And, and I'm not going to get into the, to the, the back-and-forth argument about whether or not Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. The fact of the matter is he has 4,256 hits, and this is a place that is supposed to honor the history of the game. How do you not honor the 4,256 hits? Barry Bonds has now mm-hmm. dropped off the ballot. You know, baseball's all-time home run king is not in the Hall of Fame, and that's part of the history of the game. Put an asterisk, put it on the plaque, have a steroid exhibit, I don't care, but Barry Bonds needs to be in there. Roger Clemens, dropped off the ballot. Seven-time Cy Young Award winner. How 
in a place where you honor the history of the game, do you not have a guy that has won seven Cy Youngs, Jeff? I just, I don't understand, I don't understand how uh, the people that run the Hall of Fame can continue to look in a camera and, and say that we have this special, this special place for you to celebrate this game when they're, they're, they're erasing gigantic portions of the history of the game. That's because I think we should rename this, Steve. We should not call this the Hall of Fame anymore. It should be called the Hall of Morality, the Hall of Popularity, the Hall of we like this guy, so we'll bring him in. And and a lot of that just has to do with this whole feeling that steroids somehow were, uh, I mean, I mean they're, they're unhealthy, they're bad for you and things like that, but the fact that Bud Selig swept them under the rug and baseball really benefited from guys who were using steroids, nobody can argue that. Baseball came back because of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Baseball came back because of Barry Bonds and what he was doing. People wanted to watch this dude play. And now we're going to sit here and say, oh, no, no, no. We're going to turn our noses up at, at those guys and say, no, you don't belong in the Hall of Fame. We, we don't need to remember you. I think that this is a classic scenario of some writers. Again, we're saying some writers. We're not saying all of the writers. It sounds a little bit generalistic when we say Hall of Fame voters are stinky butts. But there's a general number of them that are. Guys who turn in. I, uh, there is no excuse for me to turn in a blank ballot. There, there is plenty of guys on this list. I would have voted for nine, at least nine, probably 10 of them on this list. I firmly believe that. I think the guys who only voted for one don't make any sense to me at all. You're, there was, um, and I'm blanking on the guy's name. I've been trying to think of it the whole time you were talking, but there was a guy who voted for nobody and he wrote a column about it and he simply said steroids, you know, basically in so many words, mm -hmm. steroids. So why is Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame? Well, if, if Bud Seeley's in the Hall of Fame, Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens should be in the Hall of Fame. Mark McGuire should be in the Hall of Fame. Put something on the plaque. Says they took steroids. Don't do drugs, kids. Well, you're, there you you're absolutely right. And, and let's listen. David Ortiz tested positive for PEDs. Go, go, there you go. There you go. <laughs> and he's in. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. I think that there's one part... Uh, this morality police thing going on. There's in Bond's case, you know, you've got some writers that didn't like him. It's personal. Yeah. Uh, it, and that's not okay for uh, an organization that's supposed to be celebrating baseball's best. And I look at it and, and there's been problems all along. I mean, this is not a new problem, Jeff. Uh, if you look at the yeah. history of the voting in baseball's hall of fame, there, there's example. Mariano Rivera, the first unanimous selection to baseball's Hall of Fame. Johnny Bench, there was somebody out there that didn't think Johnny Bench was a Hall of Famer. Right. Just like there was somebody out there that didn't believe that Ken Griffey Jr. was a Hall of Famer, didn't vote There's for somebody him. out there that didn't think Joe Morgan was a Hall of Famer. There's somebody out there that didn't think that... Babe Ruth was a Hall of Famer, yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, uh, they've lacked credibility that's for what, a long time. Yeah, that, that's what gets to me is not only the steroid argument. Everybody's kind of not distracted by it. It's obvious that it should be discussed, but everybody's distracted by that. Let's talk about this. Scott Rowland, every year that he's been on the ballot, his number of votes has increased. 
if you're voting for him now, why didn't you vote for him last year? Why didn't you vote for him two years ago? Did he all of a sudden become a Hall of Famer by not playing, but somehow you just kept looking at him on the ballot like, yeah, I think I'm going to vote for that guy. If a guy is a Hall of Famer the 10th year that he's on the ballot, he's a Hall of Famer the first year he's on the ballot. I don't know why years on the ballot makes any difference unless you're sitting here and you can't vote for more than 10 people and you're just like, well, this guy was my 11th. I'll vote for him next year. That makes sense. But there's all these guys who have blank ballots and one vote or maybe two votes and then all of a sudden they're voting for guys who are getting in. I, I just, I don't understand the logic behind, well, he's not a first year, you know, on the ballot hall of famer, but he is a second year. You know what happens, Steve, whenever you're voted in the second year or the third year or the 10th year, you're a hall of famer. Do you know what happens when you're voted in the first year that you're on the ballot? You're a hall of you're famer. A hall of famer. Nothing changes. Nobody's like, oh, well, this guy got in the first time. We're going to put him up at the front of the building. Like, no, come on. That's not a thing. And it shouldn't be a thing, but it is. And that's just one of the many reasons why this whole process needs to be revamped. I'm with you. I, I would like to see a situation where maybe you're talking about coaches. Maybe you're talking about veterans, like guys who have played like at least, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. We need to draft up a proposal for that because this is getting out of hand. You've got writers that are putting their name at the front of the line, their name out on the headline. And that is one of the first things that you're not supposed to do as a journalist. You're not supposed to be the story, but they are, you know, and that's just completely ridiculous. And, and it's, you know, I get how it happened in the first place. I understand why when this whole system was initially developed that it was the writers because they were the people and the only people that saw the players every single day. But guess what? I watch the players every single day now. You watch the players every single day now. We all can see the players anytime that we want. There, there's, there's film, there's iPads. Everybody can be an informed voter. So I, I think it's time to overhaul it, Jeff. You're absolutely right. Uh, and I, th I, th I think you said it best when we talk about these Hall of Fame voters, uh, that, the, that the Hall of Fame voters have swung and missed more times than Aristides Aquino has in the last few years. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's terrible. The Hall of Fame vote is a low and away breaking ball, and the voters are Aristides Aquino. Just can't hit it at all. I, I don't... Um, Honestly, like that's something, and, and maybe we'll we'll talk about this on a future podcast. Kind of our proposal as to how you could fix this. But seriously, going back and looking at, like, yes, David Ortiz tested positive for PEDs, so he gets in. Barry Bonds doesn't. Barry Bonds never did. did Barry Bonds actually test positive? Not one time. Yeah. Did, did Roger Clement? I think Roger Clements did. But it's like, it's all of this stuff. Like, David Ortiz was never involved in a very publicized trial on C-SPAN and all that other stuff. And, and he didn't have to stand up in front of Congress and say, you know, I never took steroids or something like that. So because he didn't have to do all that rigmarole, we just kind of forget the whole thing and sweep it under the rug. I, I, I think that it's very disingenuous and it needs to be changed immediately. No, I, I, I definitely, definitely agree. Uh, listen, let's let's move on to something at least different. It may not be more fun. Coming up, we're going to be talking about how baseball's lockout, fun times, uh, 
actually impacts the Cincinnati Reds a little bit more than other teams, how it hurts the Reds maybe disproportionately. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Built Bar because Built Bar helps me stay on track with my diet. It helps me at least uh, be able to try and say that I'm trying to eat a little bit more healthy, but it doesn't make me sacrifice all the things I want because I want chocolate, I have a sweet tooth, I want candy, I want to feel like that I'm eating whatever I want whenever I want. Built Bar helps me do that. However, it is a healthy alternative. It's covered in real chocolate, but it's only 130 calories. It only has four grams of sugar. It's only four net carbs for you folks that are out there on the keto diet, but it is packed with 17, sometimes 18 grams of protein. Uh, they have some very interesting, really good flavors. Cherry Barcia is my personal favorite. Got that stashed in my locker at work. I use that every single shift to kind of make it through the night. Uh, they've got some other great stuff like coconut brownie chunk. They've got salted caramel as well as many, many seasonal flavors and a lot of different products that uh, like the, the marshmallow puffs, as an example, that are just so, so good. If you head over to built.com right now, you can use the promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to give you a 15% discount on your order, courtesy of us here at Locked On, and uh, it'll get you started on your new healthy diet and your healthy living. That's built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Uh, get started today on some sweet treats that are also good for you. Jeff, the National League Central looks very much the same next year as it did last year. 2022 is going to be very similar, I think, unless there's some, some big moves coming up. And Ethan Smith over at Locked On Pirates is going to join the show tomorrow to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Pirates and the National League Central and uh, what the Reds can expect when they face off with the Pirates this coming year. Uh, it's going to be on tomorrow's episode with Ethan Smith, Locked On Pirates. Don't miss that. Uh, Jeff, we're still in a CBA negotiation period. The players are still locked out. And the collective eye of the world is on Cincinnati right now because the Cincinnati Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats were in the college football playoff. The world is watching. And there's the sound of crickets coming from Great American Ballpark. And that may not necessarily be the Reds' fault, they're kind of not allowed to be making a bunch of noise right now because of the lockout. They're not allowed to talk about the players or promote the products. But I think that because the world is watching, the Reds are missing a huge opportunity to at least try and change the narrative about how things were going uh, before this lockout begins, or before this lockout began. And I think that this is hurting the Reds more than it's hurting anybody else in baseball right now. Yeah, Steve, I, I look at this and I say that, you know, the Bengals have absolutely just taken off, right? They, they're in the Super Bowl. They've got a shot to do the thing they've never done in their franchise's history. And the city is just ablaze with Bengals love, Bengals passion. Everybody is loving the Bengals right now. There's, there's people that years ago switched over to another team, whatever that team might be, that are coming back and they're like, boy, oh boy, it's great to love my Bengals again. It's great to love the hometown team. This is a football town now. And it was probably going to be that way, even if the lockout wasn't going on. But we are now to the point that this lockout has lasted for so long. And with all of the negative press surrounding it and things, people talking about stuff getting pushed back and all that stuff, we are looking at a period of time where the Reds 
have nobody talking about them for any reason other than, hey, when are they coming back? When are we going to see them around again, right? We we, we going to be able to go to a game when we think we're supposed to be able to go to a game on March 31st? We don't know. And because of all of that, the city of Cincinnati is collectively turning their gaze away from Great American Ballpark. I think that we are talking about a team now that unless the Reds just come out and are absolutely blowing the doors off of the place and just going crazy, winning game after game after game, and starting some kind of wire-to-wire thing, I think everybody's going to be counting down the days to training camp. Ooh, I think you're right. I think that the Reds are going to be under a tremendous amount of, of pressure to remain relevant and and for that to be a statement about Cincinnati Ohio is 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 a big thing. I mean, this is this is the the birthplace of professional baseball and um once again, the owners in this sport and the commissioner in this sport are cutting off their nose Blind. to spite their face. They're they're yeah. they're they're damaging I, I mean, I think they're damaging the sport uh, in some cases beyond repair sometimes. And I know that's very doom and gloom. I know that uh, for you especially, that is Mr. Sunshine and Kittens optimistic whenever you can be. Um, I, you know, that's probably a very bitter pill for you to swallow. But I, I think that it's true. And I think that when we've managed to reach a point where Mike Brown is the most beloved owner of all of the professional sports <laughs> franchises in Cincinnati. Um, we're really saying something. Yeah. Easiest dude to uh, complain about a couple of years ago is now the dude that everybody's praising. And that kind of enters Bob Castellini and the ownership group of the Cincinnati Reds into that, you know, next man up for the, Oh, look at them. What on earth are they doing over there? Because we're talking about a team and don't get us wrong. This is not something that we say, we're not trying to be down on this team. We love this team. We're going to be talking about this team every single day throughout the season, right here on lockdown. Reds It's going to be a lot of fun as we go through the season. And we look at this team, we look at these players, but we are at a point in time where the players are locked out. The players cannot be around. It is illegal for them to be around the team or, you know, be around the stadium and, and use the facilities and things like that because of the lockout guys on the 40 man roster. You can't talk about them. If, if you're talking, I mean, we can talk about them, but like, you know, Red Sox stove leak on 700 WOW. They can't talk about them because it's like a contractual thing. They can't do it. So we are talking about a situation that the reds are in, kind of a corner. They've been backed into a corner already of competitiveness. And are they going to be the kind of team that's actually chasing wins? Or are they going to be, you know, irrelevant for another couple of years before we can finally root for them again? And I hate to see what that's going to do because we're talking about a period of time that even if they are relevant, the stadium's not going to be sold out until June when school lets out, like there's not going to be people that are kicking down the doors to, you know, some home game against the Marlins in, you know, the middle of May. Well, besides me and you, just, besides me and you, Jeff, besides me, I mean, we're going to be there. We're going to be camped out, but that's just us. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of it's a negative situation that I don't want to be there, but it's definitely something we got to talk about because the Bengals are huge, man. The Bengals are huge. They're, they're exploding, and and you know, Jeff, the thing is, I think everybody always expected that baseball was going to have to do some damage control 
when the lockout ended. I think everybody was fully prepared. And I, and I would imagine that from a, a national level, uh, Major League Baseball has a, you know, they have a team of PR people. And I would imagine they have a campaign locked and ready to go to try and massage the image of the sport as soon as the lockout ends. I, I don't doubt they have something like that in place ready to go. But for the, for the Reds specifically, um, they're going to need to put in some extra effort because not only do they need to rehabilitate their reputation and not only do they need to do some damage control, but they're going to come out of this thing finding themselves in a position where people may not necessarily care to listen. And I don't think they anticipated that when the lockout began. You know, they did not foresee, uh, well, like most of us did not foresee what the Bengals were about to do. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to suffer as a result. Yeah, I, I think that this team can't come out. I mean, I think I could see them explain away, kind of like we talked about on yesterday's podcast. If you get a good trade for maybe like Sonny Gray or something like that, then it could be explained. And you're bringing in somebody who can play this year like Mitch Haniger, and you're bringing in a you know, a nice prospect who could be with you for a number of years after this, then that's something that could be explained away. If they come out and they're trading Sonny Gray and they're trading Luis Castillo and they're trading Tyler Malley, it's going to be real hard to get anybody excited about what's going on at Great American Ballpark. As much as you and I might try, we're going to. But it's just, I look at this situation, and to be honest with you, Steve, I want to be happy. So we're going to be happy coming up here in just a minute as we talk about some favorite memories from this past season. I've got a thought about Tyler Stevenson, and Steve's going to look at a uh, great day for a uh, star or a relief pitcher in some inclement weather. Uh, that's coming up here in just a minute. Before we talk about that, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net still remains your top source for sports scores and news. As we are coming up to the Super Bowl, football is kind of going away, but there's still lots going on in basketball, hockey, and all that great stuff. Bet Online has you covered. Bet Online, uh, w- when it comes to props, odds, and lines, they've got all that great stuff. And as we get through the Super Bowl, there's so many props coming up. I don't know if you've seen like the odds on like heads or tails or who's going to be right on the coin toss or who's going to be wrong. You know, I, I don't know. There's so much that you can check out, though, and it's all at betonline.net. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, the NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of all the games that are currently happening. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new and amazing offers available for the 2022 basketball and hockey seasons at betonline.net. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your hashtag first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms and Steve uh, we, we've been we've been a little bit real a little bit 
maybe jaded is the word, maybe negative is the word on today's podcast, because we've been talking about some rough things. Let's talk about some fun things. I want to look back on this season and look back on some moments that were awesome in different ways. We're not necessarily talking about, you know, huge uh, milestone moments. We talked about Joey Votto. This was a couple of weeks ago when we were looking back at Joey Votto's home run streak. We talked about Nick Castellanos flexing on Jake Woodford and the Cardinals. I want to I want to change gears a little bit. This was a win and this was a moment that I think at the time as it happened as the walk off happened we're talking about Tyler Stevenson walking it off in San Diego against the Padres at that period of time I remember watching that game and just being like we got out of San Diego without getting swept. Because if you remember that series there were so many games that the Reds were right there. They were one run away. They just needed a hit here. They needed an out there. And and it was like they had that series in the palm of their hand, and they just saw one game slip away and another one and another one. And finally, you get to the fourth game, and you you cannot take a four-game sweep in San Diego. And they don't. Because Tyler Stevenson, the man who's going to be hitting cleanup for them for multiple years to come, comes up big in the clutch with the walk-off hit. And that was something that C. Trent Rosecrans later looked back and said that was the turning point of the season. That was when the Reds finally got to, you know, realized we can do this. And they got to a playoff spot at the end of August. They just you know, they had another month to go and they kind of sputtered out, but that was the point in the year. Cause if you remember right, they were kind of just rolling around 500 and they really needed that win. And Tyler Stevenson delivered it. You know what my big takeaway from that moment was Jeff and, and everything you just said is correct. Uh, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, but the biggest thing for me was we saw in that moment that Tyler Stevenson is unafraid. There is not a moment that's going to be too big for him. He's going to be a guy that, as fans, we can rely on him in in big-time situations to help carry this team. Uh, it showed the team that Tyler Stevenson was the man and could be the guy that you rely on in big-time moments. And I think that was the biggest thing for me is, you know, we saw him very limited in the, in the COVID-shortened season, uh, he showed us flashes of what he could be. And then we came into last year hoping that what we initially saw was the real deal. And that, that at bat kind of cemented for me that, that Tyler was going to be the real deal here in Cincinnati. And, you know, it just, it, it makes me excited to see what the future has for him because I think he's going to be somebody, like you said, that we stick in that, that four hole and just let him rake at great American ballpark. I'm, I'm super excited uh, to watch his career progress. You can tell when he steps into the batter's box, that at bat is the moment that he's focused on. He's not worried. It, he might be mired in a slump. He might not have hit a home run for a while. He might've struck out a couple of times in the game. You won't know it by the look on his face. He is focusing on that pitch. He is ready. If it's going to be right where he wants it, he's going to clobber it because he has that killer instinct. He has that mentality that he can lead this lineup down the road of runs. He can help them bring around the runners, the third base and home plate and get the runs up on the board. And I just like tied myself into a pretzel with that thought, but the whole thing, when I'm talking about Tyler Stevenson, looking at some at bats that he's had when he, you know, when he faced Craig Kimbrell as a rookie, 
in 2020. C- Craig Kimbrell doing that weird thing where he like, you know, whatever on the mound and he's staring down and Tyler Stevens is just like, whatevs dude <laughs> got knocked. Tyler Stevenson can do that against anybody. I'm not, I'm not worried about him in the slightest. It could be two outs, bottom of the ninth game, seven of the world series, run, uh, you know, runners on every single base and he's got a full count against him. I, I trust that he is going to get a hit there. I just, he is a guy that the Reds can trust for years to come. Well, you know, Jeff, the last time we talked about this, uh, our favorite moments from the 2021 season, uh, you know, I picked the, the Nick Castellanos flex at home plate uh, against the Cardinals. And, you know, for me, this exercise has been more about just finding fun things that I liked from the season. Uh, Not necessarily, you know, big turning points in games or, you know, like you've identified. Uh, And for this one, you know, I want to go back to probably is one of the all time greatest flexes on an umpire. Uh, And that is the, the infamous rain game with Lucas Sims on the mound. (laughs) <laughs> because you know i don't know what it is it was like sleep it was it was a flood <laughs> it was an absolute flood at great american ballpark and for whatever reason you know as is the way of umpires and referees in the city of cincinnati they find a way to stick it to the professional sports clubs unlike any other and in a time when you could barely see on the camera shots from center field to home plate uh, the umpires are asking Lucas Sims to go out there and pitch a baseball. And so yeah. if you recall, uh, Lucas Sims asks for a new ball, umpire throws it out there, and Sims immediately tosses it into the dugout and asks for another one. This exercise repeats until the umpire has emptied the bag of balls on his hip. Meanwhile, Tucker Barnhart's behind the plate, throwing up his hands, you know, yelling at the crew chief who is at second base. And basically, Lucas Sims forces a rain delay. And, you know, it wasn't in time to keep it from costing them the game. You know, the umpire still won in that regard. But, you know, I loved that moment because, you know, basically Lucas Sims was like, I will be damned if I throw another pitch in this. And it was just, you know, in a situation that was otherwise very frustrating, you couldn't help but chuckle and laugh a little bit that, you know, Sims refused to be forced to do something that he didn't want to do. And he refused to be put in a situation where he was going to hurt himself. It was clearly ridiculous, right? I mean, kind of like you said, like the the rain was so thick, even on the camera, watching it at home, you're just like, it's obviously the worst weather known to man to ever try to do anything outside in. Why on earth are they still trying to play this game? And the umpire was watching cats and dogs fall from the sky because, you know, they always say rain, cats and dogs. And he was watching sleet hitting the ground and not necessarily freezing at that time, but because it's you know springtime in the Ohio Valley, who the heck knows what's going to happen there? And he's like, nah, we're good. Just keep on playing. And that was smack dab in the middle of the most, one of the most, I, I don't know, maybe we'll do a rankings on this uh, one day, but one of the most annoying series of the entire season against the Diamondbacks, the fact that the Reds went one and five against them still boggles my mind. <sighs> but yeah, that, that's... <laughs> That's exactly what I say every <laughs> single time I talk to our buddy Millard over at Locked On Diamondbacks. Um, but I that moment for me, and I got the chance. I asked him about that after the season. We had him on talking, uh, just kind of reviewing the year. And I asked him, I'm like, so at that moment, did you just know? You're like, I'm done pitching in this game. We're, we're getting this game over. And he's like, to be honest with you, no. I was just I was taking each ball as it came, making sure I could grip it, and I couldn't grip it. 
And then he threw me another one and I couldn't grip it. And he threw me another one and I couldn't grip it. And he's like, I wasn't like trying to force his hand, but that's how it looked. And that's how it worked. But I I was just trying, I'm like, I'm trying to get this guy out, but I can't even feel the ball. Like, I I don't know what I'm supposed to do at that point. It's, It's just absolutely a phenomenal moment. And I'll always remember that picture, that picture that we had, um, where you can clearly make it out like, you know, only the highest and obviously photographers for USA Today and stuff like that have the highest quality cameras. But normally during the rain, you don't see the raindrops. You can see them so clearly mm-hmm. and you can just barely make out Lucas Sims on the mound. It, that was a crazy moment in the year for sure. Oh, absolutely. And and, 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 and in hindsight, it's kind of fun to, to go back and, and have a laugh <laughs> yeah. for, for sure. But you know what, Jeff? I think that's going to wrap up this addiction, uh, this addiction, <laughs> our baseball <laughs> addiction. It's going to wrap up our addiction to the Reds for the day. It's, it's, it's also going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Uh, coming up on the next podcast, Ethan Smith from Locked on Pirates is going to join the show and talk a little bit about the Pirates and a little bit about the National League Central and just kind of begin the process of looking forward to the 2022 baseball season. So we're going to have all that and and a lot more um, coming up on our next episode. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. Now head over to Locked On Bets and make them your second listen. Q and Lee Sterling are going to give you all the info that you need to make some cash at betonline.ag every single day. Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, is available free on all the platforms that you get your podcasts so head over hit that subscribe button check them out jeff it might be the off season and we might be locked out but what are we we are locked on reds every single day